Man, kids are brutally honest, aren't they? Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. And, <laughs> and Mike is the one. If you want to know the truth, Mike is going to tell you the truth. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help busy people reclaim good practices for faith and life. Here's your host, Tony Meltenberger. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. It is such a joy to be with you as I bring you another interview of a leader who's finding ways to reclaim the balance between faith and life. Today's leader is James Keith Posey. He is kind of pastor extraordinaire down at Century Church. He's the executive pastor there. It's a church plant. Now, the other thing that's really interesting about James Keith is he is a singer-songwriter, really creative guy. I had the privilege of working with him for a number of years at our church uh, in Ohio, and um, James Keith brings this kind of creative energy into the room that is just so much fun. So through the course of our conversation, we dive into what it's like to balance that, to balance his role as the executive pastor, also what it means to have four kids and try to manage all of it at once. It's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with James Keith Posey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm Tony, and I'm here with dear friend, accountability partner, Pastor James Keith Posey. JK, what's happening, man? Hey, Tony. How you doing, man? It's great to talk to you today. It's good to talk to you as well. Now, I've had the privilege of knowing you for, gosh, almost 10 years now. Yeah. We're old. Um why don't you give everybody kind of the, a look inside your life, who you are, what what do you do, where you at? Give us the rundown. Yeah, so I uh, I grew up in Alabama, grew up in, in Birmingham, uh, was a theater kid and uh, did theater and music and ended up moving to New York City to go to school and uh, just had the opportunity to be an actor and performer on stage. And I traveled and uh, – just had this uh, like dream lifestyle of, of being an actor in New York and and was there during September 11th. And that really changed everything. Oh, wow. um, it, it, it really reset my focus and and started me on the path of what I, I didn't know at the time, but then, you know, led me to what God was actually calling me to do. What was and, that? What was that morning like for you, J.K.? I, you know, it unreal as I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure it was for, for all of us and, and so many more. Um, certainly, uh, those that were in New York, I was, I was at the, I was actually in my apartment. My brother-in-law calls and says, get to your roof right now. Um, and I had no idea, you know, what was going on. I had not turned the TV on yet. So, so I went to the roof of my building and and just about the time I got up there, I turned around and I saw a plane come across and hit uh, one of the trade buildings. And what I didn't know at the time is uh, one another plane had already hit. So so I saw the second plane. Oh, wow. Come. And so over the next <clears throat> few minutes and, and, you know, certainly hours. Uh, more people gathered on the roof and we just watched in, in disbelief and, and in pain. And um, I just remember the f- first building coming down and we, we just all hit our knees and it just, it was that feeling of the world is coming to an end. Um, and so 
So it was a, a tough day, and 30 days later, um, I ended up moving from New York back to Alabama um, and actually ended up in Montgomery, where where I am now, um, <clears throat> and ultimately discovered a call into ministry. I, I, I found myself in a church, which uh, seemed odd at the time, but I saw there was a big poster on the side of the church that said, Best of Broadway Concert, and I was like, well— Maybe I should go check that out. Because <laughs> you had done Broadway in New York, right? Yes. And so I walk in and I meet a guy named Jack Horner, who's the music director of the church. And and what's crazy now, uh, so many years later, uh, he became my mentor. And uh, I worked with him for several years and then uh, went into full-time ministry and have been in full-time ministry now for uh, 17 years, and uh, it's it's been a wild, wild journey. Yeah, so tell us a little about what you're doing now, specifically uh, what church you're at. I mean, what's your give, – give us the scope of your life because I, I think that you have a little bit different life than most. Yeah, so, so I'm a church planter. Um, a close friend of mine, uh, Patrick Quinn, who is also a pastor – um, he contacted me uh, several years ago and said, hey, I, I'm thinking about starting a multi-site out of uh, my church. And he was the teaching pastor at a mega church here in Montgomery called Frazier. And so he said, I feel like God is calling me to, to go out on the, the edge and, and plant a multi-site of Frazier in a town called Pike Road. And and I'm listening to him say this, and I'm like, "You're insane! Like, why? Why would anybody want to do that? You're you're preaching to thousands of people every week. Um, you you have this incredible platform and leadership uh, leading at that that great church. Why would you want to leave that and go preach at a multi-site? And and he just kept saying, I don't know. It's just what God is is laid on my heart and God is calling me to do. And so the, the more I talked to him about it, I realized that, uh, oh, crap, I think God is calling me to help him. Oh, wow. And, and specifically the word that came from God was help. Um, and, and so I, I was like, I don't know how to reconcile that because – I was uh, at Ginghamsburg uh, United Methodist Church in Ohio, and um, uh, similar to Patrick, I, I had the opportunity to have great influence and a great platform and lead worship uh, to a lot of people. And but this this word of help just kept coming in into my mind, and so uh, so I jumped, and and so I moved down to Montgomery uh, to be a helper, hmm. and. And so Patrick and I have have been been leading this church, which as of October of uh, 2017 launched as its own church. And so so we got the blessing from Frazier to become our own church. And we that's what was birthed is a new church called Century Church. And so we we spend our days working in the church plant world and tearing down and setting up a church every week. And yeah, because you guys are still meeting in a gym, aren't you? That's right. So so we met – there is a, a brand-new school here in Pike Road. Pike Road, is a, is, Pike Road is a new town 
in Alabama. And so they have a brand new elementary school. And so in the gymnasium, well, we really set up from the front door all the way through the school that leads to the gym. And that's where our worship center is. And so what time do you have to be there uh, on Sunday morning? We start setting up the school at 530. Woo! Thanks. Yes, yes, yes. But it's amazing. We have a team of volunteers um, and they are absolutely unreal. They show up at 530. They move the trailers around and they start unloading gear and they transform the school into a church. Now, how many years have you guys been doing that? So we're we're on uh, over three years now doing that. Uh, two years as a uh, multi-site church, and now over one year um, doing it as a church plant. That's incredible. So the reality is, people are a little weary, a little tired, you know. Yeah, and now your role in the church plant. Uh, I know that you were a worship leader at Ginghamsburg. That's where you and I met. Um, wh- what is your role there? Because from what I understand, it's an expanded role. That it's more than just worship. That's correct. So when I when I came to Frazier to work on the multi-site plan, um, the design was for there to be five multi-site churches and and that I would uh, speak into the worship at at all campuses. Um, When we moved to a church plant and launches a new church, um, we decided that it would make more sense uh, for me to be the executive pastor at the church. And so I'm really speaking in. To the staff, I'm speaking into the systems of of the church, and really the vision that is coming from our lead pa- pastor Patrick. Um, I'm taking that vision and then working the system to, hey, okay, that's an incredible vision of where God is calling us to to go and to do. Now, how do we do that? And so I'm the I'm the how to guy. Now, in addition to that, um, y- you've got a lot of things going on at home as well, right? So tell us a little bit about your family. I mean, the the pocket full of posies, as if you ever want a great hashtag to follow on Instagram. <laughs> That's right. So I'm, I'm married to uh, the most beautiful wife, Denise, and um, we've been married now for, uh, gosh, 13 years. It's, it's amazing to me um, to think about. Thank you. We have four incredible children. Um, and their age ranges, uh, still blow my mind. Um, we have six year old who that's Hank, Hank, the tank, um, eight year old Micah, who is, uh, lately been a monster basketball player. I mean, he's blowing my mind. I saw he put up like 12 points the other day, didn't he? Yeah, 12, first game, 10 points. Then, then he comes in with 12 points. I'm like, look at LeBron. That's my boy. That's my boy. (laughs) Um, so, uh, my other son is a 10 years old, Jack, um, who is just the coolest kid on the planet. And then our oldest is Bella. She's 11, but she'll be 12, uh, coming up in October. So how do you balance the responsibilities of being the executive pastor of a church plant, being a dad, being a husband? Um, how are you managing kind of to, what do you do to keep your life straight? You know, Tony, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, I, th- I think in seasons I do better um, than other seasons. And so obviously there are. Give me a really, full example on that. 
Yeah, so, you know, obviously your Christmases and your Easter's, their things are going to ramp up in in the church. And so it it creates a situation where you have to be really intentional with your family and figure out other ways because you may not have the after school time with your kids or your putting your kids to bed. So you have to be really creative on what you do in those seasons. And, and so in my past, what I've typically done is, you know, for my wife, you know, we do a lot of lunch dates or I'll go to the the kid's school and have lunch with them and, and visit them and that kind of thing. What I did not anticipate in the church plant world is those seasons never die down. So, so, you know, you're expecting after Christmas for everything to kind of settle down a little bit or after Easter things to settle down. That does not happen in the church plant world. What, why do you think that is? I think one is because you're so small staffed in a, in a church plant. You know, you're trying to you're still trying to get it off the ground and and get momentum started and. Um, and then the it's you know it's like a new business you're you're you've got your heart and soul poured into it um, is certainly your baby and and so you're you're trying to watch every facet of it to make sure um, the baby can actually grow up and be able to walk on its own and 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 those kind of things so um, so there's there's a little bit of of just watching things like a hawk and. And trying to keep your hands on every little piece of it to make sure um, nothing goes wrong. So not having those down seasons, how have you? How do you reclaim that important time with your family? Or uh, I, I mean, I think I saw recently was it last year you did you did an Ironman? That's right. So I mean, uh, how do you even? I, listen, that's a that's a ridiculous amount of training hours. Yeah. How, how do you? How do you? How's all that work? Well, at you know, at the height of the training, you know, it was a four or five hour a day training because the reality is you're on the bike for for many hours. And so you've got to simulate that somehow in your training before the race. And so the way I did that, I trained very early in the morning. So, you know, I would go out at four thirty or five in the morning and, and start training. Um, because I didn't want it to get in the way of, of any family time. Um, and so I'm, I try to be very, very careful on the things that get in the way of family time. I like to, to be a part of family events. We like to travel and go and do things. And I also like to coach. And so it's fun. Like every season I pick another kid to, to be the coach. Hmm. So I get to work with them one on one and and with their team and and that gives me a lot of time to to spend with them and and because it is so scheduled, um, I can't bail out. You know, when when I agree to be the coach or agree to volunteer for something, I can't day of say, oh, you know what, I'm not going to show up. I don't have time because I have this church event. Um, so it creates intentional uh, time with the kids. Yeah, the word that really comes to mind for me is is proactive. It seems like you're being really proactive with your intentional time, and so when the church comes up with something reactive, you you are already pretty committed. Yes, for the most part. Um, I you know 
I, th- I think you got to be honest and say, you know, I can always do better. And as a matter of fact, just a couple of days ago, I came in um, from a retreat. I had to do a two day retreat uh, because something came up at the church and we had to go away and, and really pray and figure out what we needed to do. And I came home and, and I was home in time for the kids to come home from school. Uh, but my son, Micah, he said, hey, daddy. And I said, hey, did you miss me? And he said, I didn't know you were gone. <laughs> Ouch. And, oh, man, it it really cut me to the core. And I said, what do you mean you didn't know I was gone? And he said, well, you work so late. You know, sometimes I didn't I, I didn't know you were out of town. And so that was, you know, I need those reminders. Um, and, and that was that was a deep reminder, man. It, it hit me hard. Man, kids are brutally honest, aren't they? Yeah, or I, I love it. I love it. And, <laughs> and Mike, Mike is the one. If you want to know the truth, Mike is going to tell you the truth. He's going to give it to you straight, no chaser. That's right. That's right. Now, now you're you're um, you're naturally inclined, and I know this from the time that we worked together. You're naturally inclined to do a lot of stuff in the evening. You're more of a late owl than an early morning. We're we're opposites in that regards. I'd like to be in bed about. 9:30 or 10 if I could swing it. Yeah. Uh, how do you manage your your evening time um, with the kids? Where where do you make that back up at? Well, what I have tried to do um, certainly over the last couple of years, and and I don't recommend this. This is probably not a healthy practice, but it has worked for me. Um, is I will pull an all nighter before I disrupt my time with the kids. Mm. So, you know, for instance, if, if I've got to do a set design or work with the team to, to, to do a new graphic plan for, for the church or for a series or something like that, instead of missing out on what's happening with family time, I will wait until we put the kids to bed and then I'll go to work. Um, and sometimes that means that, that it, it's, it's going all night long and, and, you know, I, I come back in at eight o'clock in the morning and, uh, my wife, Denise is like, where have you been? You know, um, or I can't believe that took all night. And, and so I have, I have chosen to do that instead of miss out on, on what my kids are doing. And, and especially with the wide age ranges of my kids, um, there's a lot there's a lot going on and and so it's not fair for me to be at one kid's activity and miss the other kid's activity you know so so i have to be fair and 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 work through that and try to try to do the best i can what i'm finding though tony is now at 42 years old man those all nighters come at a cost it, <laughs> yeah what's the cost man i the thought of it makes me shudder <laughs> I mean, I'm not as young as I used to to be, and and that used to be a a normal practice that man I could just go and and it's 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 getting harder and harder and harder. And so, um, you know, there's some days where I'm like, gosh, I'm 42 years old. Um, when when is the young buck gonna come behind me and be the all nighter guy that I get to mentor and lead? Um, you know, it's still interesting that I'm the guy still pulling all nighters. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think 
that's the way God wired me, you know? Right, right. It, it does segue us into an interesting part because so much of your job is creative, as you mentioned, with graphics and set design. And, of course, you're a talented and incredible worship leader. How, how do you um, how do you schedule margin for creativity? Uh, man, that is a that's a really good question because sometimes I do it well and then other times I, I don't do it well at all. And so I I can always see those times when I don't do it well because the work might might still be adequate, but it's never as good as it could have been had I scheduled the, the right time to do the work. And so so, you know, there we're releasing music and, and, and writing and, and things like that. And the reality is you have to intentionally schedule time to, to write and to, to create graphics or to, um, to design and, and work on, on new things that are creative in the church. Um, cause if you don't, it's just going to be the leftovers. Um, and typically it'll be something you steal from something else because, it, it's really not creative. You just didn't have time uh, to do it yourself, so you had to borrow it from somebody else. Let's dive deeper into that a little bit. How, how do you, practically speaking, what are you just using iCal or using Outlook or how do you do you block schedule? How do you make all that work? Yeah, I use I schedule everything. So everything goes on my calendar. Um, and so my calendar looks ridiculous because it looks like I'm booked from like eight o'clock in the morning until midnight um, because I like to put everything in my calendar, including going on a date with my wife or going to my son's basketball game. Because I know if if I don't put everything on the calendar there are always little things that pop up every single day. There's someone that calls the church and, and would like to have a meeting and they're always those conversations. And so it's helpful for me to have my phone ding at me and say, you're late for a meeting or your meeting starts in five minutes. And that meeting might be that I'm spending 30 minutes working on a graphic or, or something else creative that's, that's happening in the church. So now I've heard this from other people, but it, it sounds like you use your calendar as a way to kind of protect your free time. And then if somebody says, hey, James Keith, you got 30 minutes, you can look at your calendar and then give them an honest answer. That's right. And and I, and I think that's fair because um, when when I don't schedule those things out, when I don't schedule time out with my family or I don't schedule time out with my wife, um, I'm really saying they're not as important as the other things that are coming up last minute. Um, and, and that's just not fair when, when they should be um, at the top of the list of importance of the things that we're doing in our life. Yeah, no one ever looks back and said, man, I wish I worked more. You are correct. You are correct. So now you, you also carry the mantle of, of pastor and, um, and spiritual leader for this community in addition to Pastor Patrick. Um, what What do you do in your daily routines with God to stay connected I have a lot of conversations. I'll tell you, tell you that God and I, uh, we have this, uh, this interesting dialogue with each other every day. I'm not, I'm not one that, that prays the, these beautiful, uh, 
scripted prayers that you might hear someone pray or, or, or someone write down that, that we've heard so many times before. I'm one that, that argues with God that uh, really likes to have honest conversation with God. And I think because of that, God gives me the opportunity to, to hear some honest answers. Um, and so, so along with that, you know, I, I'll read scripture. I'll, and I'll, I'll do, I'll flip through the Bible. Like I was, I was wrestling with something the other day and I just said, all right, God, I'm going to flip my Bible. And I just want wherever it goes, I want you to speak to me through the scripture that, that comes out. And, and that has been a healthy practice uh, because it's also a trust that that God can speak in in any word. Um, and so I also have accountability partners and and people that feel comfortable, and I allow to have honest conversation with me and and to say, hey, you know, I see a you're either working too much. I mean, the reality is, a couple of months ago, um, Patrick, we had lunch together, and he's man, man, you're killing yourself. Like you have to, you have to back off. Um, and, and I, and I even said to him in that moment, I said, but what about the church? Like there's so much that has to be done. And he reminded me that there will always be a lot to do. There will always be so many things that we could do all the time, but life is too short and there's too much to risk. Um, if, if we don't do the right things and make sure we're grounded and healthy and, and spending time with our family. So your, your time with God is pretty Holy Spirit led in the sense that you don't have necessarily a a reading plan or is that included in that or some combination of the two? It is. I, you know, I, I, I'm actually doing a reading plan right now, um, through you version. Um, but I, it's not an everyday thing. Like I might go a day or two and then come back to it. Um, and then I'll kind of get myself caught up and then I'll, uh, sometimes get bored with a reading plan and then start another reading plan. And then I'm doing two reading plans. Um, so that is, I use those, but for some reason it doesn't, um, it's, it's not the most helpful thing for me. Um, like right now I'm trying, uh, to go back. It's been a long time since I've done the one year Bible yeah. and read the Bible all the way through. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm trying to do right now. And, um, and I missed a day and I had to get myself caught up. And, and so life, life is happening, man. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. I, I think it's, um, I really appreciate the way that you kind of approach your spiritual disciplines in the sense of like you go with whatever is working, whatever it's like a like on a, a basketball game, you go with the hot hand, right? And so how do, how do you how do you parlay uh, faith into your family as you know as a pastor? Obviously, you're probably getting to the church if, if they start setting up at, at five thirty. You're probably getting there at five thirty in the beginning. Maybe if you're you got some really good leaders now. You're probably getting there at six thirty or seven, so it's it's not like you're you're able to really walk through with the kids on and the the wife on Sunday morning. How, how do you how do you work to instill a faith discipline and balance with your family? Well, I tell you the the amazing thing for me is that Denise is a church planter's wife. Tell me um, more about that. What's that mean? 
that she has embraced the role of being a pastor's wife and and even beyond that to to being a church planter's wife because that's that's a big job it, you know it's a big deal to be a a pastor's wife and there's there's a a great deal of responsibility um that that comes along with that and uh and and also there's there's a lot of understanding that that comes along with that and and Denise does that so gracefully um, and then she is a helper as well. And, and man, she will roll up her sleeves and, and get right into the church to help build this, this church that we're working so diligently to, to get off the ground. Um, and the interesting thing is, is we're seeing that instilled in our kids. Mm. Um, just this past Sunday, you know, I was kind of running a little bit late um, on Sunday morning to get to the church. And it was about it was about 6.15 when I left the house. Fortunately, I don't live far from the church. Um, but 6.15, I know that, that the guys have already started. You know, we're already texting and um, and things are going on. As I'm pulling out of the driveway, my 10-year-old son is running down the back steps, putting on his shoes. And he's flagging me down. And he's like, Dad, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. And so I roll the window down and I'm saying, what are you doing? And he said, I want to go help set up. And I said, all right, buddy, hop in the car. And so he jumps in the car and we get to the church and uh, I go to my area to start working. And he moves. He His job that he likes to do is he goes to the nursery area and he puts down the foam floor so the kids have a safe place to play. And And so I just love that, that. That yes, it's hard, and there are sacrifices that we're all making, and and that we're certainly making um, as church planters. But to to be able to raise kids that know why this is important, and that we get to have the opportunity into reaching a whole new generation for Christ, and it and it ultimately could change this whole community, um, this new town of Pike Road. And give people an opportunity to meet Christ that may not have that opportunity otherwise. And to see a ten-year-old want to be a part of that, man, that's incredible. And I mean, in, in so many ways, it's like you guys are on mission together. Absolutely. And so we—it's funny that you say that because we have joked about that, you know, because there was there was a moment where our family talked about moving to Africa and and being missionaries in Africa and what. What that would mean and the cost of raising kids in in that uh, environment and and all of that and so so in that we that's what exactly what we feel like here in Pike Road. Uh, now that, wait a minute, we can't just drop a, a bomb like that and say like in a, <laughs> like and then walk away from it. But but how, how does because I, I, maybe our family's just different. I don't know, but like we've never come to a place where like oh we should move the whole family to Africa. How, how did how how did that even become a point of conversation? Well, I, you know, I had the opportunity to serve um, in, with several trips and lead a trip in the South Sudan. And there was a God spoke to me um, on that trip. And and I just knew that there was something special about that place. And and there was a a peace that came over me when when I was there and I just fell in love um, with the people of South Sudan. And so. Um, when I came home, I, I felt that that was something that we needed to pray about and dig in. 
Um, and I'm still holding out. I, I think that there, <laughs> there, could, there could be a moment, you know. I mean, we took uh, – Denise and I took two of our kids to Haiti um, a year and a half ago, and and that was a profound experience for both Denise and I and the kids. And, and just figuring out what that means, you know, even raising kids and what that looks like, you know. Um, if Denise said yes, I would be on a plane tomorrow. Um, and, and so who knows that, that could be in our future, but I think right now we, we still feel like we're on the mission field, even as as a whole family. Um, because in a lot of ways we're in a, a community that was not ours. We are, uh, meeting people and, and getting to know people that were not in our connection or circle of influence and, and they're learning to love us and we're learning to love them and and we're creating community and and church together and and it's a powerful thing whether it's in Africa or whether it's in Pike Road Alabama. Yeah, certainly God is using you in such incredible ways there in Pike Road and uh, and you're you're really living out your call and you got a great team. So no no chance of you leaving anytime soon, I, I don't think. You know, of course, God is still sovereign, so who knows what can happen. But who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, how, how many years have you been in in ministry total? Oh, so I, I guess nineteen years. Um, uh, well, no. I, so I, I I started ministry in two thousand one. So right after September eleventh. So so like seventeen years. Um. It has uh, it's been a wild journey, you know. Started a couple of years as an intern, and then went into full time ministry at Gulf Shores United Methodist Church in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I was there for seven or more years. Moved to Ohio, served at Ginghamsburg, and then uh, ended up back in Alabama here in Pike Road. Um, so it's. Uh, it's been quite a journey. What do you think the biggest change in you has been over the 17 years that you've done this this ministry, this job? I mean, I, I think that there are a lot of people who are in their careers and have done it for a long period of time. Um, and, and they kind of sometimes they don't often take the moment to reflect back. If, I, if I'm going to give you that moment right now, what do you think the biggest change inside of you has been? Well, Tony, I'm an ambitious guy, so so there has always been a part of me that felt like I could solely change the world, like God could use me to do something so significant that would absolutely change the world. Um, I think in my younger years, I thought that that had to happen right away, um, and so that God would use me that moment and that second – and we would see something right then. And what I've learned as I've gotten older, that the dreams that I have, if I can accomplish those dreams in even a year or even two years, then they probably weren't God dreams. They were mm. probably they were probably James Keith dreams because because a God dream takes a lifetime, um, and God will use your entire life to accomplish His purpose. And so. So as I've gotten older, I've realized that the steady 
wins the race, you know, and and that it's it's certainly a marathon more than it is is a sprint. And the end of my race, even though I might not accomplish the dream that God had before me, it might be the start of someone else's race that will continue that. And and I've joked from time to time that that God I'm I'm the guy that's not called to go into promised land. But I <laughs> but I but I am the guy that's gonna get the people to the edge. Yeah. And then I'm gonna hand it off and they're gonna get to experience promised land. Yeah, and and give everybody some context on what that means if they've never read that story in scripture before. Yeah, so so Moses spent a lot of time with the people and, and I'm sure there was there was a moment in his life where he's like, I want to experience promised land. But the reality is he didn't he didn't get to experience promised land. He he roamed around the wilderness and everything else uh, for a long time and 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 then ultimately handed it off. And and so the the people got to experience uh, a promised land that that Moses, who was God's chosen one to lead the people did not get to experience. That's a, a, a great illustration. Uh, and, and what a unique way to see yourself in that way. Do you, uh, do you ever wish that you were more Joshua than Moses in that story? You wish you, you look like, you know, anytime God wants to bring up the promised land. Well, you know, I think any of us that, that wrestle with significance or, you know, you know, want to be famous or, or any of those things. I mean, the reality is, you know, I was an actor and, and, you know, I had the opportunity to see my name in lights and yeah, you were famous. And, and so, well, that's pushing it. But, but I, I did, you know, I, there was a moment where I came out of the stage door and people asked for my autograph. And, but the reality is I remember, and I, I, I sometimes forget this and I have to remind myself that, the whole September 11th moment when I realized my call into ministry, God said to me, the spotlight needs to move from you to me. Oh, wow. And, and so I started my ministry understanding that the spotlight needed to be moved to Jesus. And my whole life needed to be about helping people see Jesus under the spotlight, not not myself. And 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 I can be honest and and let you know that there are moments where that's difficult um, because you know I want to have significance and I want to have an influence and a, a sure. platform that that leads people. But I I hope I never forget that it's not about me and that ultimately my whole call is to point people to Jesus. And so so maybe it is fitting that that God is gonna give me the profound honor of helping people get to promised land, but I don't need promised land. That's, that's, that's not what I need. Um, it's, it's to help other people find Jesus and, and find that promised land. Wow. That's incredible. And, and, you know, honestly, what, what a immense amount of spiritual maturity to kind of understand who you are and how God's wired you. And, um, so let me ask you this: Going into 2019, what are um, like? Are, are you a New Year's resolution guy? Are you a guy that wants to work on things? I am not a New York New Year's resolution guy. 
Um, do I have hopes and dreams and, and, you know, uh, things that I want to accomplish in 2019? Yes. Um, but I, I think one thing that the church plant world has taught me is you, we never know what tomorrow is going to hold and we don't know the surprises that are going to come around the corner. But, but my hope for 2019 is that, uh, the vision that God has, has put before us, for this church and this community at Century is is we might see a piece of it in in 2019 that that God might give us a glimpse um, or or even show us that yes we have accomplished a step towards what He has called us to do and and then even in uh, the creative side of the church that that God would use our church to be a voice to help people learn more about Jesus and to, uh, to get to know, um, that God loves us so much and that God wants to have a relationship and be in community, uh, with us. Yeah. Cause um, now by the time that this podcast airs, you will have dropped your, your very first single. Is that an accurate statement? That is crazy to, to really think about. Yeah. So, so we started uh, a publishing company with Century Church called Century Publishing, and and so we're going to be doing a lot of content that's going to be coming out. But but part of that is there's going to be a music side, and so so we have already released a few singles um, with with artists in our church. And my first single, Out of the Water, um, is out and is uh, hopefully uh, just a message that. That people can understand that, man, even though it may be tough or you may be in the mud, God really wants to pull us out. And 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 the the hook of the song is being pulled out of the water. So just like baptism, when you come out of the water, you're made brand new. Um, and so I hope that resonates with people. It certainly every time I sing the song, um, it makes me smile. And uh, and it, it's a reminder that that God uh, is for us and not against us, and and hopefully it, it makes some people smile and gives them hope in a in a. And in you a new... you wrote this song, right? Yeah. So Laurel Taylor and I co-wrote this song together, and we went to Nashville and uh, worked with some incredible musicians um, that are all over. Uh, records everywhere, you know, with Lauren Daigle and Little Big Town and Florida Georgia Line and um, Michael McDonald, like just incredible musicians. And you can certainly hear their musicianship in the song. That's incredible. Now, when you wrote it, did you uh, write it from any specific story in your life or it was it just kind of a, a culmination of a lot of things? Well, Tony, and you know, I don't, I don't know if you have three more hours to talk about my <laughs> my my testimony, but uh, sometimes I say to God in my prayers, um, and you know, we talked a little bit about how I have banter with God and argue with God, but one of the things I say to God is, Lord, please, no more testimony, like. Uh, no more. Like there, there have been situations in my life that have have been really hard, and and I've really had to press into Him to to even find a way to survive some of those moments. And and so I think the song was easy to write because 
the reality is there there have been some dark days in in my life and it it takes understanding that God can make us new and and certainly God can take those uh, those difficult times and and restore us you know just like the prodigal son story that that even though we make we can make some terrible decisions God is waiting at the end of the driveway and just waiting for us and the moment that he sees us he is just running to us to embrace us and to welcome us back home. Wow. Well, I'm excited. I cannot wait um, to hear how God is going to use uh, Century Publishing and just all the ministry that you're doing there. If if any of our listeners wanted to kind of follow you and hear more about you, how what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, so... Obviously, you can get on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play Music, and you can search James Keith Posey and the song Out of the Water. Um, or you can just follow me on Instagram or Facebook with the handle James Keith Posey, um, my full name. So uh, I would I would love to get to know you and 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 talk to anybody that wants to have a conversation. And and if you're a, a aspiring worship leader out there, um, you've certainly mentored many of those throughout the years. Um, a great, a lot of what you're writing is going to be able to be used in churches, right? Absolutely. So CCLI um, is also going to hold uh, our publishing and our our catalog. So so you can go on CCLI and download chord charts and and get resources. And you can certainly uh, send me a message in Messenger, and I would be happy to send you uh, charts or anything you might need to to do this music at your church. Well, James Keith, thank you so much for taking the time today and for just being so transparent and vulnerable and sharing your wisdom. And man, I love you, brother. It's just, it's so good to catch up. Man, great to talk to you. Love you, man. Thank you so much for giving the time today to listen to the Reclamation Podcast, whether you're working out, riding a bike, doing whatever it is you're doing, shoveling snow. That was certainly me this past January. I just want to thank you for spending time with us today. Now, on our next podcast, we are very fortunate to have Lindsay Cunningham. Lindsay lives in Lexington, South Carolina, and she uh, has a unique voice in the world. She is a pastor's wife, stay-at-home mom, in addition to a whole bunch of other side things. And in her conversation, we dive into what it means to balance her calling as a pastor's wife, a mom, and how to deal with resentment in ministry. We have a great conversation. We dive into a lot of topics, including the Enneagram, which she's super passionate about. So join us. The best way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe. Also, the best compliment you can give us as a new podcast is to leave a rate or review. It helps other people find us on all the social media platforms. Hope you guys have a great day. Like what you heard? Please take a minute to rate and share so others like you can find good practices for faith and life.